So I mentioned a story kind of at the beginning of the message last last week. So I'm, I know you guys probably won't remember this, but I mentioned a guy by the name of David, right? You guys know who David was? Um, you guys know the story of David? Yeah, David and Goliath, right? Who knows that story? Yeah, mostly mostly everybody, at least a little bit. Um, if you don't, hey, that's, that's okay. Um, but uh, basically, David... The same David who defeated Goliath, de- defeated this, this huge giant. That's a whole other awesome, cool message. But uh, he became the king of Israel, right? So that's really cool. He became the king. And um, it was just really cool to see the way that he um, acted as a king. And so we're going to get into that in 2 Samuel. But before we do, uh, i got a question for you. Do you guys know people... You have a friend or maybe you know someone who is always over the top. Yeah. All right. Who is the friend that is always over the top? Let's be real. Yeah. (laughs) Jonah, you better raise your hand. (laughs) No, I just. Here's the cool thing. Yeah. So I, I love it. I love people who are always over the top in the best way possible. Why is that? Because they're always, exactly. Why is that? Look at Shannon, for example. <laughs> they are always, right, right, these guys, these guys are always animated, right? They're always exaggerated. They're always full of energy. And, it, and what's so cool is that you look at guys like that, girls like that, and a lot of times, I know I was this way when I grew up, Because I'm kind of an introverted extrovert, if that makes sense. Who's kind of in that camp a little bit? Yeah. Like, you get me around the right people and I'm good, but it kind of is hard to break in. But anyway, I look at people who who are like, like Jonah. And I'm like, there is no way he is like that all the time. But he is. But he is always like that all the time in the best way possible. It is awesome. Here's what's even cooler about people like that. I know it sounds like I'm kind of backhanding you guys a little bit, but I'm really not because I think you guys are awesome. Here's what's the best part, the thing that I admire the most because I struggle with this. I'm going to be honest and transparent and really open. But what's so cool about these people is that generally, and I'm making a generalization, so I know that this isn't everybody, but generally those people who are super over the top, super exaggerated, super animated, they don't care what you think about them. They do not, well, I said generally, I said generally, so it's not true for everybody, but me, I'm the type of person that everybody has to like me all of the time. I am so concerned with what people think about. Like, that's just me, right? But what is so cool is that there are people, and maybe you know them, I know that there are people in this room who don't care. I am going to be me no matter what, and you're not going to stop me from being me. I think that it's so cool that they live in that kind of freedom. Now, how does that make sense when it comes to worship? Because what would it look like if we would worship in that same way, with that same attitude. Where we're like, I don't care what you say. I don't care what you think about me. I do not care. I don't. What is so cool about David is we're going to read this story where he quite literally does not care how he looks, what his, what his motivations, like he, he doesn't care about anybody else around him. And so 2 Samuel chapter 6, we're going to get into it. David 
is moving, he's the king of Israel, and he's moving what's called the Ark of the Covenant, right? This was basically the Ark of God, okay? This was the presence, the very presence of God moving about. Because in the Old Testament time, it wasn't like the New Testament where we have the Holy Spirit and just have access to God all the time. They literally had to, he was in a physical place. It was a, a presence that moved about. And it got stolen from God's people. I know, everybody say, oh no. Right? It got stolen. And so David, one of the, one of the first things that happens in his, in his time as king is they actually get it back. And so they're bringing it back to, to uh, the city of David, right? They're, they're bringing it back to the center of worship. And that's where um, it's called Jerusalem, right? Jerusalem was the worship, the, the center uh, of where Israel was going to be uh, worshiping God. And so this passage that we're going to read is about a celebration, right? So keep that in mind as you're listening, as you're hearing, because it is kind of crazy on the right side of, of like when you, when you just read it the way it is. So this is what it says. Everybody, 2 Samuel chapter 6. If you have your Bibles, bonus points for you. You get, a, you get a cookie someday, sometime. You might have to pay for it, but you'll get a cookie eventually. It's, it's in your kingdom. It's in your, it's in your reward. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know that Tristan promised donuts, but okay. Okay. Shh. Let's focus in. We're about to read from God's word. If you guys would, uh, let's just focus in by, by praying. Um, if you guys would bow your heads and just really focus. Lord, um, Lord, we thank you that your word is so good and so true to us. I pray that you would speak uh, over this message. I pray that you would uh, allow us to just hone in and tune our ears into what it is that you want to speak through this passage. Lord, I pray that you would um, speak everything that you want to speak to these students. Um, Lord, that you would just use me to, to do that. Um, I, I pray that you would just be um, so over everything in the remainder of the time that we have together. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. All right, let's read. It's good to focus in with prayer. Anyway, um, this is what it says. Chapter 6, verse 12. It says, now King David was told, the Lord has blessed the household of Obed-Edom and everything he has because of the ark of God. So David went to bring the ark of God, right, this thing that we were talking about, from the house of Obed-Edom to the city of David with rejoicing. When those who were carrying the ark of the Lord had taken six steps, he sacrificed a bull and a fattened calf. Okay, this is where we get into the Old Testament. Kind of weird, kind of strange. Okay, just, just stay with me. Wearing a, a linen ephod, David was dancing before the Lord with all his might. And while he and all of Israel were bringing up the ark of God, uh, the ark of the Lord, with shouts and with the sound of trumpets, as the ark of the Lord was entering into the city of David, Michal, everybody say Michal, daughter of Saul, there you go, watched from a window. And when she saw King David leaping and dancing before the Lord, she despised him in her heart. Everybody say, ooh. Right? I'm going to skip down. Verse 20, this is what it says. When David had returned home to bless his household, Michal, daughter of Saul, came out to meet him and said, how is the king of Israel, how, how the king of Israel has distinguished himself today? 
going around half naked in full view of the slave girls of his servants as any vulgar fellow would. All right, this is where it gets crazy, okay? Because she's like, what are you doing? Like, this is, this is insane. And David said to McCall, it was before the Lord who chose me rather than your father or anyone from his house when he appointed me ruler over the Lord's people, Israel, and I will celebrate before the Lord. I will become even more undignified than this, and I will be humiliated in my own eyes. But by these slave girls you spoke of, I will be held in honor. I want you guys to just think for a moment about celebrations and all of the, sometimes people get crazy, right? Let's just be honest. Like, you ever seen a, a city that wins a Super Bowl and they just destroy the town? I don't know why destroying the town that won you a championship is like the form of celebration. It never makes sense to me, especially if you're in Philadelphia. Isaiah, you can quote me on that. Philadelphians are crazy. Um, anyway. I know, but I'm talking to him via there. Anyway, so this is what happens. So, so there's this huge celebration, and David is just super excited, and he's dancing before the Lord in worship. And you have McCall who's like, hey, um, what are you doing? You're, you're acting crazy. Like, and, and we'll break down some of this stuff because you're like, wait, David was naked, like, in the middle of the city? Like, he was the king. Like, what the heck? We're going we're gonna to talk, talk about we're going to talk about what exactly that all looks like in, in, in that context and all that stuff. But I think that in this story, there are some really cool things that we can take uh, and, and, and move forward with in our worship. So last week, we really broke down why we worship. But, it, but this week, I really want to get into why we worship in the way that we do. Because David says to McCall when she calls him out, and he says, I'm even going to be crazier than this. Like, if you think that this was wild, I'm even going to be more undignified than this. That's why we have this, this title of being undignified in our worship. So here's the first thing. If you're taking notes, I want you guys to really grab onto this. I want you guys to understand that in the same way that David was, we have to be genuine. Everybody say, be genuine. Be genuine. You see, the thing that caused David to go around dancing like a crazy person wasn't because he just wanted people to look at him. It was because he had an emotional connection, an emotional link with God. And he knew what God was doing in him and what God had done for him. And he was doing what he felt was true to the relationship that he had with the Lord. Be genuine in your worship. If, if your relationship with the Lord looks different than somebody else, that's okay. Just be genuine in how you worship. Not everybody is going to be a, a, a singer up here. Not everybody is going to be an instrumentalist. Not everybody's going to be a speaker. Worship in the way that you know how, in the way that your relationship tells you you should worship. Because here's the thing. We get caught in two lines of thinking as Christians in worship. We get caught in two lines. One, it's that emotions are the center of our life as a Christian. Man, if I'm sitting in, in worship and, and I'm not feeling anything, then uh, I'm just, I, might, I might not be worshiping good. Maybe, maybe I never really love the Lord. Maybe, maybe he's not moving in me. Maybe he's, not, maybe he's mad at me. Maybe there's something wrong with me. 
we can kind of think like, oh man, I'm not feeling anything. Like maybe, I don't, I don't know what's wrong. And we can get caught up in the fact that we don't feel emotion. Or the second one is that we live emotionally detached. Where, where we're like, oh man, this was really amazing. And God moved in this amazing way because I felt something or I didn't feel something. But then we're like, no, 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 I can't feel anything because if I do, then that's like just weird and I, and I don't want to do that. And I want to be genuine in this way. But there has to be some sort of a balance. Because here's the thing, emotions should never be manipulated, especially in worship. Emotions should never be manipulated, but they also shouldn't be repressed. That's why it's so important to be genuine in your worship. Listen, I'm going to be honest. There are churches, there are conferences, there are speakers, there are worship teams that will emotionally manipulate you into feeling a certain thing. It's just natural. I was reading a, a tweet just a couple weeks ago, and somebody was like, hey, that wasn't actually the Holy Spirit moving. That was just a B minor chord played with a pad music. There are times where people and leaders will feel a certain pressure or weight to emotionally manipulate you in your worship. Don't buy into that. Don't feed into that. Don't be like, oh, man, he was just really moving just because the worship team was good. Remember how I was telling you last week how I had to, to, to worship to 80s karaoke tracks with an old lady? Like, let's be real, right? Like, I had to learn how to worship. But it also shouldn't be repressed. Because so many people, I feel like in today's culture, especially people who are leaving the church, they like to just go, well, I was emotionally manipulated. And you're like, okay, that might be true. But at the same time, emotions aren't bad. Just because you feel something in worship doesn't mean that that's bad either. It's, it's, a, it's a healthy balance. And you are the only one who can tell if that is really God moving or, or if it's just music or if it's just the atmosphere or if it's just whatever. You are going to be the, the marker of that. And hint, hint, you have to have a relationship with the Lord to be able to understand it. You have to have a relationship and a connection with God to even understand, is this, is this an emotional time or is it just a manipulation or, or whatever? You have to have a relationship with the Lord so that he can say, hey, like, just chill out. You're good. Or, hey, you know, like, I'm just going to move and, and speak. And there have been things that God has done and said that, you know me. Come on. I'm your, you, I've been here for a couple years. You know me. I cry more than anybody else. Like, let's be real. But emotions, they, they shouldn't be repressed. It's not something to be afraid of. Don't worship outside of what you guys feel is right is really what I'm trying to say. Don't feel like you have to come up here every single week and raise your hands and be at the front and jump around and do that. Listen, if that's not you, that's not you. That's okay. God still loves you. You still worship him as genuinely as you know how out of the relationship that you have, and everything will be cool. Do what you feel is right, and do what you feel is worship before God. And maybe it is jumping around. Maybe it is dancing. Maybe it is acting crazy. I'm kind of a crazy person myself. Like, that's, let's just be real. But that's how I worship. That, that's who, who I am. That's just kind of where I'm, I'm at. But you have to let God and let your relationship with God be the centerpiece for doing what you do. It is so important. Because we have so many people, we have so many people who are just acting and playing church. 
And we have so many people who are being spiritual for clout. We have so many people who are, who are taking all of these things and they're already faking it. So be genuine in your worship. Like I said, I'm an emotional dude, right? Not only uh, in the sense that you guys are, are thinking of, right? Like I cry at movies. I cry at songs. I cry at stories. I read articles and I'm like in the bathroom weeping. Macy's like, pick yourself up. Like you are ridiculous. Come on, dude. Like, it's serious. I'm an emotional dude. If you ever watch football with me, I love my New England Patriots. <laughs> y'all planned that. Y'all stole my notes, and y'all knew that, that was coming, and y'all planned that. Anyway, <laughs> whatever, dude. You said you're a cheater. You get me watching a New England Patriots game. You get me watching a sports game. I love sports just in general. You get me, I'm going to get emotional. If there's a pick, if there's an interception, if there's a turnover, if there's a touchdown, I'm going to be jumping around, going crazy. I'm going to be texting Ethan, right? Like, I'm going to be like, did you see that? That was so crazy. Like, that's just who I am. But here's the thing. I am that emotional when I worship because that's who God created me to be. God created me as an emotional dude. Like, I just, I just am. I, I'm just, I'm, I'm an emotional kind of God, but I don't, like, put that aside when I come to worship, and I also don't, like, lean into it too much and try to fake it. I do what I do because of who I am and who God has created me to be in the relationship that I have with him. We have to be genuine in our worship. That is so key. If David wasn't genuine when he was jumping around and dancing around and being crazy, he would have been just that, a crazy dude. That's all he would have been. Be genuine in your worship. Here's the other thing. Be unconcerned. Everybody say, be unconcerned. Be unconcerned. You see, David, when it says that David was, uh, was naked, it wasn't that he was actually, like, running around like a little baby. You know what I mean? Like, I just came out the womb like this, so this is what I'm going to do. Like, No. That wasn't what it was. What he did was he, he took off the royal garments that marked him a king. And he actually probably also had priest garments as well because he, he met the qualifications for that. And what he did was he took all of that off. And it looked like for somebody who was just watching that it was some random dude. And that's what McCall, when she's like, you were running around and you were naked and you were doing all this, like, she was like, don't you know, like, you're the king. Like, like you're just looking like Joe Schmo over here. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> and, and he says, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't care. You see, his dancing was appropriate in the context of the celebration because it was a parade with a marching band and a processional, and his dancing fit the occasion. David, as he was dancing and running around and doing the things he was doing, his conscience was clear. His conscience was clear. It wasn't, it wasn't that he was like, oh, man, I wonder, oh, 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 I think I'm doing what I need to be doing. I think, they're, I think they're, they're cool with it. Like, he was unconcerned with what other people thought of how he worshipped. David wasn't concerned with what McCall or anybody else thought of what he had done. He knew that he was in the clear. He knew, and that was good. It wasn't an issue to him, and it wasn't an issue to God, and he was good. 
He was just chilling. It was fine from there. Many of us, and I've been this way a lot in my life, especially growing up, where you worship, you're just like, yes, you're praising, you're dancing, you're jumping or whatever, but then you go, somebody, somebody else, somebody else looking, nobody, or you ever done this one? You ever had this happen? Where you're, you're standing and you're about to raise your hands in worship, but the person next to you raises your hand and you're like, well, now I can't. Now, now, now I can't do that because this person did it. Now it just looks like I'm copying them. Right? Like th- th- these are the things that we kind of, we do in church where we just get like super focused on like, okay, or I'll give you one more. Have you ever jumped around or danced or, 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 or went down and, and prayed and, and, you, and, and you look around and nobody else is doing it? And you're like, uh, maybe I am the crazy one here. Okay. All right. Maybe I shouldn't have done that. Like, we get so caught up in what everybody else is doing and what everybody else is thinking that sometimes we don't, we don't worship the way that we should because we don't want to buck what people are, are doing. And we don't want to uh, stand out. We want to blend in so that nobody notices us. But if we begin to worship unconcerned with the way that we are perceived by people, We can start to worship in that true freedom. We start to worship in true freedom, which actually brings the most glory to God. I know it's kind of weird to talk about it and like your worship brings more glory in this way, but like it really is true. If you are worshiping reserved, yes, that glorifies God. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you so much for that. That is so good. But if you worship unconcerned with what people think, man, that's like a next level. If you worship in a way that you're like, I do not care what anybody else thinks of me. I do not care what anybody else thinks. And there are so many times that we, that we, we get caught up in, in that. Or we do it ourselves where we look and we're in the seats and we're like, mm, why are they doing what that? Well, why, why are they doing They do that every single week. Why do they do that? Right? Like we start people watching in church. Be unconcerned. Be unconcerned with what other people are doing and with what other people are saying, with what they're thinking. If you would be free in your worship, man, that would really, really move the heart of God into some really cool things happening. My, uh, my cousin and I are super close. I love my, my cousin. Um, I will intentionally take time, even now that I'm married, Macy can speak to this, but like, I'm like, hey, Macy, we're going to Amanda's um, on like Thursday night or whatever. And she's like, oh, okay, cool. Like I will intentionally make time to hang out with her because she is absolutely the craziest person that I know. And I love it. And me and her and I, we get into so many weird situations. Like, there was one that literally happened this past one. Um, I'll have to tell you guys about it. You'll have to ask me uh, or or Macy after service because it was hilarious. But, like, we're always finding ourselves getting in these weird situations. Honestly, I'm going to be real honest. We can kind of get obnoxious together. You guys have family or friends who you kind of get obnoxious with, and you can tell, and you're like, I'm sure people probably don't really appreciate this right now, but like, but what is so fun about hanging out with her is that even until this day, 
we shut off what anybody else thinks and we are our own entertainment. We do not care. The only worry is about us. And there's a ton of, I got so many stories of crazy things happening with me and my cousin. No, we never got arrested. All right, I'll tell you one, I'll tell you one, I'll tell you one, I'll tell you one. Um, we like to go to concerts, okay, and, and then we got to get back. But we like to go to concerts a lot, and we found that if you can create drama, you know, like, you guys ever been to a concert that's, like, really crowded, and you're, like, just kind of smashed in all together, right? You're just kind of like, oh, whatever. We found if we could create scenarios where there was some sort of conflict, that people start to spread out, and you start to get real space, and it's really nice. So we'd be, you know, all trapped in, in like sardines or whatever, and she would go, do it now. Really? She's like, yeah. And so literally, we'd just be sitting here, and she would just go, now. And I would go, and she would go, what are you doing? And I'd be like, you bumped into me. And we'd act like we were strangers so that we could fight so that we could get space at the concerts. You ever go to a concert and you need space, Act like you're getting in an argument with your friend, okay? Now, <laughs> then you get space. You get all the, because everybody's like, should I, should I do something? Should I not? I'm just going to step back. I'm just going to be, I, that's why you got to make it a verbal altercation. You can't actually throw, punch, don't get in fights. Um, anyway, so like that's the kind of stuff that we do. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Focus though. Because worship is meant to be the same way. Worship is meant to be the exact same way. We have to be completely shut off with what people think, with what people say. We have to be completely uninterested with what other people's opinions about our worship is. Completely unconcerned. Be genuine and be concerned. There's also this, and this is this thing with, with David, is that he was also unapologetic. Be unapologetic in your worship. David came back from the celebration, and, and McCall lays into him. And he could have easily let that ruin his day. But what he did and what he said was, I did it for God, not you. I did it for God. I didn't do it for you. What David did was actually humbling to himself. He didn't dance to show other people how spiritual he was. He didn't apologize for worshiping in the way that he did. He didn't care what anybody else thought. He did what he did, and that was that. No remorse, no feeling of guilt, no shame, no worry about what other people were saying. He was unapologetic, not once in this encounter did he say, you know what, I'm really sorry. Like, I just felt like in that moment, that's probably what I should have done, but you're right. Like, I, I'm my bad. My bad. I, I, I won't do that. I, I, there are so many stories of uh, even just pastor friends of mine who have had stories. I, there was a uh, pastor friend of mine, and he was talking about how he had started worship at, at his church. Um, it was the first Sunday that he was actually there. His first Sunday. And he's leading worship and all this stuff, and he's like, yeah, man, new church. It's awesome. Some guy comes down to him. He's like, hey, man, how you doing? He's like, I'm good, man. It's, it's been good. He said, I just want to let you know, I hate your voice. He's like, what? Yeah, I just thought the other guy was way better. Like, dude, I, I. he's like, oh, um, 
is there anything I can? He's like, nope, nothing you can do about it. He's like, okay, well, I'm, I'm the worship pastor, so that's kind of going to be, all right, well, cool. But in that moment, in that moment, it's so easy for us, right? I've lived my, my life in this way sometimes where people will say things like that. Not always in church, but they'll say things and they'll be like, hey, you shouldn't have done that or you shouldn't have did that. And it's nothing wrong, and I didn't feel like it was wrong. But I look at it and I'm like, yeah, all right, well, I'm sorry. I'll, I'll do better next time. But there was no reason for me to apologize. Be unapologetic in your worship. Don't care about what anybody else thinks, what anybody else says. If we can learn to be unapologetic as people who worship God with everything, we begin to step out in confidence and begin to be open to what God has for us. With, with the things that God asks of us. People who look to make you feel bad about the way that you worship or, or, or what you say, man, they're saying it out of bitterness. They're saying it because there's, there's something that is blinding them to what God is doing. That is not on you. You don't make other people feel comfortable when you worship. That is not what it is about. That is not what this thing is about. You do not have to feel bad or feel like you should apologize for, for the way that you worship, as long as it's genuine, right? That's the whole thing. They become their own worst enemy, and they end up living like McCall did. McCall actually, in the next verse uh, after this, this passage that we read, McCall actually suffered uh, barrenness. Now, I'm not saying that if you kind of are, are like this, then you're never going to have kids. That's not what I'm saying. But you're probably going to live a pretty barren life, a pretty empty life, a pretty bitter life. There's often barrenness in the life of the overtly critical. So be unapologetic in your worship. If the worship team could go ahead and come on up. I think that that it is such a good reminder that as David is leading the celebration, as he's leading the ark that was returned to God's people, it's an amazing thing that happened. In everything we do, in everything, in every way that we worship, we have to do it with a genuine heart. We have to do it with an unconcerned mind, and we have to do it with an unapologetic character. I'm going to say it again. We have to do everything we do in worship with a genuine heart, an unconcerned mind, and an unapologetic character. Listen, who do they say David was? Do you guys know? It's kind of a phrase. He was, he was a man after... Mm-hmm. David was a man after God's own heart. And we have this story here where if he's a man after God's own heart and he's being criticized, it's, it's going to happen. You're going to either feel yourself that you're worshiping weird or things are happening and it's going to be an attack from within or it's going to be somebody else who's trying to make you feel a certain way about the way that you worship. If David was after God's own heart and even he was accused of being too much, 
It's going to happen. But it's so important that we don't get discouraged and get beaten down from worshiping wholeheartedly. Guys, we have to know who we point to, who we worship, who we serve. Don't ever get beaten down by yourself or by other people for the way and the, and the things that God is doing in your heart, the way you worship. Be genuine, be unconcerned, and be apologetic. If you guys would just bow your heads and close your eyes. If tonight, tonight you would say, you know what, I, I just feel like, I don't know, there's something in my own heart, like, there's just something in my own mind that stops me from worshiping the way that I know that I was created to. If you're dealing with this thing within yourself that says, hey man, knock it off, don't do that. But you know that it's genuine. If you would just be so bold to say, yeah, that's me. I'm, I'm just kind of in my own head sometimes when it comes to worship. I'm kind of, I kind of get thinking about things and worrying. It's all within my own head. Thank you. Thank you for those hands. Tonight, if, if you would say, you know what, I, I, I feel good about me personally, but like I'm so concerned with somebody else. I'm so concerned with what my friends are going to think or, or, or what, what this boy or this girl, hello, what, what they're going to think. I'm so concerned about what my parents are going to think. That was kind of me. I, I was in this space where I was so worried to worship the way that I did because my mom wasn't as expressive. And my dad would think it's weird. So tonight you would say there's other people. Maybe somebody said something to you. Let me just encourage you, man. As long as you're being genuine in your worship, you don't have to worry about what other people are saying. Tonight, if you would say there's other people who have influenced kind of the way that I worship, and, and I kind of do, I, I hold back a little bit. Thank you for that honesty and being able to acknowledge that. Because I believe that whether you're dealing with yourself or whether you're dealing with other people, I, I think the Lord wants to just rain down freedom within worship. <laughs> I think it's so cool how ever since really Caden, Pastor Caden talked about freedom in November, we have just been, it's been interwoven throughout the messages that we have. And so I just want to encourage you. There is freedom when you are able to shake this, this stuff off. Thank you guys for being honest and open. I want to pray. Lord, I thank you for each and every student that is here. I thank you for...